This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Cyber Frontiers, show number 12, recorded on November 10th, 2014. Here on Cyber Frontiers, we explore cybersecurity, big data, and the technologies that are shaping the future, all from an academic perspective. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the AverageGuy.tv studios here in Bellevue, Nebraska. Actually, a very cold Bellevue, Nebraska. You guys are in Maryland. you got some cold weather coming, so you better get ready. And we post this show with world-class show notes each week out at TheAverageGuy.tv. If you have questions, comments, or contributions, you can contact us. Send me an email, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. TV. Track me down on Twitter at Jay Carlson, and I need some help because Christian is catching me quickly. Two sixty-seven to go, and the troops will invade. I think he's going to blow past me pretty quick here at Jay Collison. Or now, call in those questions four zero two four seven eight eight four five zero. We'll play right here on the program. Joining me tonight from their security fortification at College Park, University of Maryland, and of course they're all on the same floor. So we want we should we should probably. Not disclose that location because there's somewhere to happen. <laughs> Massive wipeout. <laughs> let's start with Christian. Christian, how are you? Hey, I'm doing all right. We are persisting through round two of midterms, which is always, I feel, a little bit more painful than round one of midterms. So uh, it's a bit of a struggle, but we're hanging in there. I'm extremely excited about tonight's show because I've been wanting to do it for a while, and uh, we were able to make things line up pretty quickly, so I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, good. I was a super proud moment when I'm like, why don't we just cancel? And Christian's like, we're not going to get off schedule. <laughs> we're not going to get off schedule. Okay. So we're, we're, we're here, and I appreciate that. Speaking of being here, over to his left, and I think left of him in the room as well, Ashton Webster. Ashton, how are you? I'm doing well. Looking forward to a uh, show here with the the... You know, three consecutive rooms in the hallway. So I know, I know. I know that's pretty cool. It, you guys are literally just three rooms. Bing, bang, mm-hmm. boom. Christian, why don't you take a second and introduce our guest? Sure. So Franz Payer is here with us. He is a software engineer at Tactical Network Solutions in Columbia, Maryland, and he is also a former 2013 DEF CON speaker on exploiting uh, music with JavaScript, and he is also our lab chair for the ACES uh, student board here at the University of Maryland. All around extraordinary in cybersecurity, offensive and defensive, and a hell of a guy to talk to, and so we're looking forward to specifically tonight talking about one of Franz's, I think, just pure innovation in the field, and he's going to talk about it more, but one of the big aspects of the ACES cybersecurity program is running and participating in cybersecurity competitions in the state of Maryland, which is... uh, for educational value, we do it to compete with other cybersecurity programs to see how people stack up, to gain skills, to have prospective employers look at students, to have you know money moving around, etc. So uh, Franz has brought a really unique perspective to how those competitions might be run um, and has started his own business around it that has gained a lot of traction in the area, uh, which also adds the title CEO of Sky- uh, Cyber Skylines LLC at cyberskylines.com. So Franz is quickly on the road to uh, having a name for himself here in the land of cybersecurity in the state of Maryland. So great to have you on, Franz, and I'm really looking forward to getting into your platform tonight. Yeah, great to be here. My first time on the on the show. Yeah, well, hopefully Franz not the last. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. I, I, now I know you're not from Columbia, the country, but Columbia, Maryland. <laughs> Tell us. I made. I asked just before the program. Like, so, how long have you been in the U.S., Franz? 
I've been in Maryland the whole time. Tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, a little bit of background on yourself. Um, okay, so I started programming back in middle school, I guess like 6th or 7th grade. Uh, my dad was a programmer. He, I, I started like programming websites with HTML just directly in Notepad, and he's like, here, have a book on C-sharp and learn by <laughs> cool. yourself. Uh, and then I started getting involved with uh, web security from there. So uh, in high school, I did cross-site scripting, SQL injection, that sort of stuff. That led to my DEF CON talk where I, I spent three years of researching from like my freshman sophomore and junior year in high school, I was researching um, how a lot of services, like big ones too, like Pandora, um, Spotify, Last.fm, a lot of these big services, they weren't, they had clients playing their music, uh, which were just purely JavaScript or maybe a combination of Flash and JavaScript, and it was actually pretty easy to um, go through and reverse engineer their products and then make a tool which mimicked what their products did and allowed you to just completely download all their music. Uh, and so that was, that was a fun DEF CON talk that I did last year. And going from there, I've kind of just taken my experience in cybersecurity, especially in high school, I competed in a lot of these competitions. And I use my experience from that to determine, you know, what are the flaws with what people are trying to do. Obviously, there's a huge interest in getting younger people involved in cybersecurity and generating that cyber workforce. But there isn't, you know, for all the media hype around it, there isn't this huge search of students, which there really should be. And what are the problems affecting that, and how can we solve those problems in a, in a unique way um, that's cost-effective? So that, that kind of brings me to uh, the platform that I created, um, so Cyber Skyline is, uh, is a company that focuses on bringing cybersecurity to students. So the current model of kind of relying on students to like just take classes to learn cybersecurity is not going to work. I mean, considering the fact that a lot of the schools in the United States, like high schools, don't have computer science programs, throwing cybersecurity on top of that is completely impossible. Like, doing it for the current computer science programs is hard enough, but getting that to the schools that don't even have cybersecurity, uh, computer science programs is impossible. So what we need is a new model that uh, is very conducive to beginners and not intimidating the way that the media makes it sound like. Um, so it's a web platform that um, is kind of based around this, uh, it's a game, and it's based on this idea that uh, a virtual city has been infiltrated by hackers. And it's your job as the competitor to regain control of the city. And so we have different challenges which represent different parts of the city. So you have one challenge, which is a bank. Another challenge is the hospital. And then as you regain control of these services, you can, def you can see how your city uh, responds to that. We keep track of your, your, your economy and your population. And obviously, by regaining regaining control of the bank, your population, or sorry, your uh, GDP will start to go up as financial institutions have more confidence. And... Um, and then if you regain control of the hospital, your population will start to go up, um, stuff like that. And it's, it's pretty interesting, and we, we make sure that we are targeting the less experienced users, and at the same time, we're also having some challenges for the more experienced users. So we're not focusing on those, you know, these people with those, all, all those elite skills who already have certification stuff, but we're really focusing on those beginners who've taken one or two computer science classes, maybe, and are interested in cybersecurity, and they're not sure how to go about doing that. So, um, so I, I run a high school internship program for Gallup, and this sounds like this might be something. Is this something I can plug into my current program and get these kids interested in this platform? Is it is it that? Does it develop that way? So the way it's developed is 
Uh, well, the original uh, logic or the reasoning behind creating this in the first place was we were teaching workshops for the for the honors program here, and we wanted a way to centralize the material and make it very easy to reuse and have challenges and all these things in a portable platform which we could just deploy rapidly and do workshops. And so the idea behind that is that it, it's a it's important to it's a, it can be a key component in any um, training exercise that you might have for uh, I mean anything related to cyber. Uh, we can even expand that to computer science, but that's a whole other can of worms. Um, so right now, I think the main component of that is that we can have different modules on, say, maybe just web application security, and then you can walk them. Um, you can have these challenges out there, and students will do the challenges, and you can go around and answer questions that students might have. Um, so you can use it both in the competition sense, and you can also do it as in a learning environment. Um, and that's something that, like a lot of diff different companies have been approaching us asking about, and that's something that we will want to use our platform for. Yeah, is it something like as a, as the instructor or as the leader, do I have to know that? Do I have to know the, the platform to be able to let these kids use it, or is it self-taught, self-learning? They can just get involved and they can pick it up. It's it's a combination of how much. So it's how much you want to make out of it. So we actually have a very modular design for it, and if we have clients who are asking. Um, to have like this self-contained thing where all the instructional materials in there, we can bake that into the software. Or if they want to take more of an active role in the learning, we can just add kind of little tips and pointers to point students in the right direction, and then the instructor can lead the the actual learning experience. So that's um, all within the capabilities of the platform. And is that a is that a for-profit venture? Then is that part of your business? Yeah, it's it's part of the business and actually um, that's kind of our, like our future development so right now we're, our main focus is actually just running competitions with large amounts of students so students are able to know what the platform is and um, hopefully get their their feet you know into the waters in, in cybersecurity and we're planning this big event uh, here at the University of Maryland on March 7th of next year we're trying to get 300 students to come and so our, our, the plan is that we run this event we generate a lot of interest, and from there, we go and figure out um, what different schools and organizations want to utilize this platform in their curriculum, and then move on from there. Sure. And so uh, you've also run two other, um, I guess what we would call them preseason, so to speak, that two events with our ACES classes, one in the first year and one this fall, um, that it was just really transformative to see the difference between the version one platform and what it is now, which has really come a long way. Um, can you talk a little bit about, I remember you saying how this started as a project on spring break or winter break, and you just kind of started putting things together and rolling with it. Talk a little bit about how you got to the formulation process from being someone who participated in competitions to being someone who was creating competitions. Yeah. Um... Well, the main reason why I wanted to create these competitions is because I was getting very frustrated with the current state of competitions, especially for cybersecurity competitions right now. So there's uh, a couple big ones that are being put out. Um, there, there's like Cyber uh, Cyber Patriot, which is run by Northrop Grumman, um, targeting middle and high school students. There's uh, the Maryland Cyber Challenge, which is uh, run by I think Lidos and UMBC, uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County. 
uh, here in Maryland, and there's a bunch of other random competitions which are just run completely online. And some of the big problems I found with them were that a they didn't provide enough. They weren't. They're very opaque. They didn't provide enough transparency and. Sometimes what you even being scored on, like sometimes they won't even tell you what you get points for or where you lose points for. Uh, when we competed in the Maryland Cyber Challenge, we weren't even told our scores. We were just told whether we advanced or not. And um, we had no clue how we did on the challenges or anything like that. Um, a lot of other competitions, so they don't, they, they reuse, they don't tell you um, how well you did, and part of the reason is because they reuse all of their challenges the next year. So if you performed well the next one year, you come back again the second year, you do the exact same thing, you get placed the exact same way. Um, so there really isn't much of an, uh, an educational benefit in doing it a, same, a second time. And a lot of them, the main issue I found was that they were meant for identifying the top maybe 1%, maybe the 10% of the people who compete. And a big problem with that is if you talk about a field like cyber where we don't have enough people, identifying the top 1% only gets you so far, right? You're, you're identifying the cream of the crop, but the problem is that you're not filling the hole. Like, we, we have this huge hole, and if you fi figure out what's the best, like, that's not really getting you anywhere. So the main focus with this, with this platform was that we wanted to make something that was encouraging students who didn't have previous experience and getting those beginners involved rather than getting those advanced users involved. So when I was competing in high school, my team, uh, I, I founded our, our high school cybersecurity team, and I was training them. I had my internship at Tactical, and I was training them based off of what I learned at work. I'd come back every week and be like, this is what I learned at work. Like, let's, let's learn this and, uh, and make use of this. Whereas there were other schools which had like like magnet programs which were based on cybersecurity, so they're learning these every day. And if you consider a beginner who's learning this on their own versus a class of students learning it every day in school by trained professionals, there's a huge discrepancy in that skill level. And if you have competitions identifying the top 10%, it's very unlikely that you'll actually get those people who are genuinely interested but just don't have the resources available. So the idea is what we want to get those students who may not have resources but they have the interest, get them involved and get them learning, get them ready to get a career in cybersecurity. So from there, um, it was evolved over uh, spring break. We decided to make kind of this uh, Jeopardy style competition where we ask you questions, you provide answers, and uh, rather than having an active competition against other students. And we kind of rushed it. We developed it in one week. We came back and we showed it to the faculty. And they're like, whoa, this is, this is actually you know, usable, viable. Um, we actually went from there. We presented it to um, Cyberwatch and actually Lockheed Martin. Uh, so Cyberwatch runs a couple of, uh, of competitions. They run the CCDC, so the Collegiate, or at least for the, West, uh, for the East Coast, um, the Collegiate Cybersecurity Defense Competition. And they were running this other competition called the National Cyber League, and they were like, you have some functionality that we don't have in our platform. And I'm like, well, you, they've been working on it for like two years, or two, three years, and we work on it for one week. Um, so they were interested in that, and like, we took it to Lockheed, and they're like, yeah, this is um, a lot more modular. It has a lot more capabilities. So there's a lot of interest in it, and from there, we just started developing it. And I think the biggest selling point is that we are focused on generating interest and in getting those newer students involved, whereas everyone else is focused on identifying the best students. And uh, a big component of what we want to do is this in-person competition because I think there's a huge value in having these 
hands-on interactive competition. So we have, it's team-based, so you work together as a team, and we have these challenges which can incorporate multiple disciplines in cybersecurity. So you might have a multi-tiered challenge where it's, you have to get access to this web server, so you have to, uh, via the web, uh, you know, some like SQL injection, right? And then once you get in, you have to crack the passwords, and then, um, and then, then once you crack the passwords, you got to log in and look at these files and analyze the logs and stuff like that. So we're incorporating multiple tiers. You have to have someone who knows how to do SQL injection, someone else who can do password cracking. So we're really trying to create these multidiscipline um, fields in cybersecurity within the competition. And I think that's a that's very conducive to the learning environment that we're looking for. So Franz, um, when you were if, if students are working on this and they run into a roadblock where you know maybe they can't get into the web server, which leads to those other tiered uh, tiered challenges, do is there like advice that's given to them when they get to that point, or is there some learning experience that can be gained if they aren't able to continue on in these tiered challenges? Yeah. So the way that we have set it up is um, the first way of going going about that is we have a increasing difficulty scale. So at the beginning you have the, these very easy challenges and the idea would be the next challenge will take something you learned from the previous challenge and build upon that. So if you're able to do the easier challenges you can, it makes it a lot easier to do the, the challenges after that and you build off of your knowledge. Um, plus you have access to the internet to look that up and we provide hints and descriptions along the way to look at that. And on top of that, when we run our competitions, um, we really focused on the problem-solving problem ability of the students. So we want to make sure that they're, they know what they're supposed to be doing, and they might not know specifics like they might, know, they might not know a Linux command. And that isn't the focus of our competition because like, that's something that you pick up. That's knowledge that you pick up when you do this multiple times. That isn't a problem-solving ability. So we'll actually give you um, like a Linux command or we'll help guide you along the way. So we're really focused on actually making sure that you're learning rather than identifying who's the best um, best person there. So we, we're not going to give you the answer, but we will help you get the answer and get you along that way. So you really shouldn't be stuck on any one question. And the way that it's, uh, the way that the competition is structured is that if you get stuck on one question, that isn't the end of the line for you. We have multiple paths that you can take. So if you're stuck on this one question, you can move on to a different one and keep progressing through the competition and still place very well even if you're unable to do one challenge. So at the end of the day, um, you're going to be learning something and if you still can't get it, you're not going to be banging your head against the wall for several hours trying to get this one challenge. You can move on to something else and still gain some experience and some knowledge by doing something else. Yeah, and one of the other cool things, too, is when we were playing it in uh, team mode where we formed teams of four at the last competition, we were able to basically have, you know, each w one person on the team would go down one of the different paths, and then each individual would get down as far as they can so that you could basically double your profits within the city as fast as possible, which was really fun because um, most of us would get about three-fourths of the way and then get stuck uh, towards the end, and then, you know, two people would each start looking at it until 
uh, you're able to make it up. So that that was a really cool aspect of it is that you could move around through different topics and it wasn't just all on one specific type of cybersecurity problem. You could do reverse engineering, you could look at um, code analysis, you could do, um, there was actually some trivia I think even, so there's a lot of cool ways to get involved that into different skill sets. So, uh, Christian, when you did this, I missed the event, unfortunately. But it, and and Franz also, is this a potentially a group activity as well? Because I know that it was kind of team based when it was offered for the uh, the honors program to do it. And I guess, like, what 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 kind of formats do you see this being uh, provided in? Like, is this something that you do at an event or? Um, and is it team-based in that case, or do you can you do it individually at home and kind of just log in when you have time? So this is part of our future development, um, this, these concepts. So the idea would be that for right now we're focusing on these competitions, and we want them to be team-based because there's a lot of interaction going on when, you, when you're in person and in a team, and you can learn a lot more as uh, working together as a team. So that's our focus right now. Our future development kind of... Um, goes around this idea of kind of these on online learning um, aspect of it. So that would be individual, and you would be going at your own pace sort of whenever you have time. Uh, we might do some sort of like mo monthly competition, but it wouldn't be uh, in person and in a short period of time. It would be over extended periods of time. And uh, the idea would be that if you didn't have access to cybersecurity programs at your school, you could um, do these challenges that we have and be able to stay on par with some of those people who, who go through their, their programs. Obviously, there's going to be a huge discrepancy in the amount of time that you're spending working on it, but that's our, our hope is that um, too many people, actually, like for the majority of the people, I'd say probably 90% of the people who came into the Honors College for cybersecurity had no prior cybersecurity experience. And the whole reason for that is because they just didn't have any opportunities at all to get experience. So this is kind of our way of providing that initial experience so that people, like if you ask someone, um, what do you want to do as a career, and they have no cybersecurity experience, they probably won't choose cybersecurity at all. And that's a big problem is because a lot of, uh, a lot of you know, different institutions and companies are afraid of teaching these cybersecurity skills to younger people because they're afraid of it being used maliciously. I mean, if they get exposed to cybersecurity for the first time in their sophomore or junior years in college, it's too late for them to fully develop it as a major in or as a concentration in college. So they can't really take that as a degree or they can't even take that to the workforce with that little, um, that little experience in, in, in school. So by making it accessible to younger students like in high school, then they have the idea of this is something I want to take a look to uh, look into as a career and then they can work on that and hone in their skills in college and then get a job in cybersecurity rather than finding out that cyber is something they really like in, in junior and sophomore year and uh, sophomore junior year and it's too late for them to really change what they want to do with their life. So do you see this as sort of a complement to other studies that you'd be taking in cybersecurity or um, could you potentially just do this and, and learn, uh, you know, something significant that way? Because I know, and it, it's it would even be tough in high schools if uh, it kind of represents a larger issue that you're trying to combat here, which is a lot of high schools don't offer programs in cybersecurity, um, and 
that's an issue because, like you said, there, there's just not enough supply for the demand in, in cybersecurity right now. But uh, specifically for your company, what, how, how do you see that fitting in with like the, with like studies, or would it kind of be its own independent thing if it had to? Like the flow of students through the pipeline. Um, so the idea is that we would kind of supplement learning. So I, I'm not aiming to replace learning because. I honestly don't think a bunch of challenges is going to be comprehensive enough for you to say that you're skilled in cybersecurity. You definitely need to take classes. You need more interaction. You need um, projects which are outside of set guidelines. So the idea for this is that we have these supplemental things that you could probably do from your computer at home, and you could come to some of our competitions that we will run. And the whole idea of our competitions is that we are trying to um, trying to connect the the students in the pipeline to corporations and companies. So, like the whole, probably the only reason why I'm still in cyber is because I was able to get my internship in in sophomore year of high school, which is a huge rarity. Like you rarely see, first of all, you rarely see high schools high schoolers getting internships at all. And on top of that, in cybersecurity, that's extremely rare. Like most of them are looking for uh, sophomores, juniors, and seniors in college, not that in high school. They're looking for college students, not for high school students. So what I want to be able to do is uh, obviously all these companies are interested in getting interns and new hires so they will be sponsoring these events. It's completely free of admission for students to learn and to compete and there's even prizes involved. So students come for free and they compete and then the sponsors actually get to see the scores of the students and you have the chance of networking with other companies and the idea would be that if you come to this event you've done some of the challenges that we'll have online and you go through these things you'll have some basic experience and uh, knowledge that these companies are looking for and then they can offer you internships and then that's where you continue your education so we're not we're not planning on uprooting the current system for education we want to supplement it and we want to help students connect with these companies who are very interested in making sure they have qualified cyber professionals and they will kind of take it from there and definitely by coming to these competitions you have a lot of opportunities to further your career or your education in cybersecurity yeah I'm sure that the companies I mean the companies get a lot out of it because you're essentially giving a uh, report card of the students that are participating in these with their scores uh, makes it easier for them to to recruit and know who's the who's got experience in this. Um, but in addition to obviously, high school students may not have access to may not have had. This is filling a void that they didn't have before. But also, I find it kind of interesting that once you graduate college, um, there's no more challenges like this. Uh, like I feel like even in the workplace, it would be cool to have not so much um, these. Not so much challenges either. I mean, challenges are good for you know demonstrating your skill and things like that. But this is also kind of a simulation, right? It shows the, the I mean, essentially what you have is critical infrastructure that you're you're working with here. Um, I mean, like for example, the bank and the hospital and things like that are you're trying to free up so that it, you know you can save this little city that you're in charge of. Um, do you think there's potential? Uh, not necessarily in your company. I'm just talking generally now for. Like once once you get into the workplace, um, for more simulations like this to be set up so that you can, you know, get experience, it, it, kind of real world but also simulation experience working with these types of challenges. I've definitely so I've actually uh, talked about cybersecurity education before, and I actually had someone who said that hey uh, he went to school, got a CS degree, and 
then decided he wanted to do cybersecurity and he didn't know where to start. And that, to me, is a big problem. I'm like, well, the system has failed you in two ways. It didn't get you involved when you had the chance in, back in college. And now, now that you're out of college, you definitely don't have any resources to do so. And it's, I think a lot of companies are recognizing this. And actually, when we talk to Lockheed Martin, they actually run their own internal competition similar to what we're doing, um, but definitely at a higher level for their employees. And it's kind of uh, a two-pronged approach to have something fun for the workplace and to bring additional skills and experience to, to their uh, workforce. And I think that's probably the direction that it's going to have to take. Um, you can run these competitions for professionals, um, you know, or at least post-college post -college people, um, but you're going to attract a lot less because they probably, like a lot of them already have jobs and they're not willing to part ways with their jobs to focus on education and cybersecurity. Um, they want something to supplement um, their knowledge and learning while they're they're taking their job. So I think the the way of going about that is running these same competitions, but just internally for companies themselves. And a lot of companies are definitely recognizing this. I I would be surprised if big companies like Northrop Grumman or Booz Allen um, don't do the same thing like like that Lockheed is doing. Yeah, and now that I think about it, even when we had the we had some employees from the NSA come and give us the tech talk. I think I'm pretty sure you guys were both there, and they were talking about how one of the things that they did is they have the red versus blue challenges internally to you know make sure that they um, well to make sure that they're internally secure and that the clients they're protecting are secure and also uh, to tr to kind of hone their school skills there so you know it, it's certainly happening I think there's opportunities for it to happen more and also train people that want to be part of it that you know kind of miss the boat when there weren't there's not resources available now that they're out right. of college. And on top of that, there's a bunch, like a lot of people as a hobby put up mini cybersecurity challenges online, like maybe sets of like five or six. And they're scattered all over the place. There's not really a centralized place to find all of them. But if you look around, you can find a lot of these. Um, and they don't really do any type of, like sometimes they have like a scoreboard and stuff like that. But they're mainly focused on ha like addressing those people who don't have any formal access to um, classes, or they they don't have enough time to invest in their education because they're uh, they're working, and they have these challenges and tutorials that walk them through it. I know Google has put up at least Google has put up a few for cross-site scripting, so I know that a lot of companies are looking toward uh, mm -hmm. towards doing that. The, I think the main issue with that is that there, it is very difficult to find something that's comprehensive. A lot of them are probably like a, a set of six or seven challenges on one topic. There isn't a comprehensive set of them, and I think that's what we we would probably in our future development is that we'll be working on having a centralized database of all those types of challenges of all different fields and having tutorials to go through them. But if yeah. you are, if yeah, if you don't really have access to these classes, I think that's probably the main way to go. Yeah, going and, back to the, sorry, go, go ahead, Christian. Well, I was just going to say, are there any topics in particular that you think are fundamental to understanding the other more separate modules, so to speak? So, like, what critical fields you should cover in cybersecurity to help you learn the others? Right. Uh, I would definitely say that, like, the three tiers would be uh, code, uh, sorry, um, log analysis or network analysis. So, being able to read packet captures and read like Apache logs, that's uh, a very important component. Um, Knowing some basic web, how web vulnerabilities work, so knowing command injection or cross-site scripting or SQL injection. Right. 
and, uh, and then knowing by uh, like binary exploitation, so buffer overflows, stuff like that, um, and then knowing those, they kind of provide a very stable foundation to branching off and like learning cryptography and um, learning a lot of other forensics things, um, learning code reviews and, and stuff like that. So those, I think, uh, give you a pretty good foundation. Gotcha. Ashton, you were saying what? Yeah, I was just saying that um, we kind of went in a different direction now, but I'll, I'll ask the question anyway. Uh, uh, just the simulations might also be a good way for the recruiters at this company to get an idea of sort of a merit-based way of evaluating applicants. I know for um, some cybersecurity jobs that I've applied to, they have you do challenges, and having a little bit more comprehensive real-world challenges and simulations like this might be a, a better way of evaluating different applicants for the position because you can really get a more comprehensive idea of what they know and how well they're able to, you know, perform in a sort of a, a pressured environment like that. Yeah, definitely. That's actually, um, we've actually approached that a lot in our planning. And so something cool that we do is the sponsors for the competition, they have the opportunity to create their own set of challenges and we will integrate that into the competition and they will get a detailed report of everyone who attempts those challenges and that way they can add their kind of own pre-screening process into the competition and people who are interested can, can, uh, can do those challenges. So it's a way of both matching, so like the idea would be that if you have a forensics company and they put up forensics challenges and maybe another company that uh, has uh, web vulnerability. Uh, they do web vulnerability security. And they have their own two sets of challenges. A competitor can do both sets of challenges and decide which company they would rather work for based off of what work they would be doing. So it lets the users decide where they would want to work and it also lets the employers decide who they want to hire and who they want to as, as interns. So it's a really cool way of making this connection between the supply chain and you know I guess the demand of the of the corporate force. Yeah, I think you can get really accurate information on both sides for the the applicants and the recruiters. It's just an all-around cool uh, experience. Actually, what, it kind of reminds me of um, I believe the website's called Kaggle. It basically hosts these machine learning um, and like big data challenges. And it they'll, what the companies will do is they'll put out some like sanitized or um, some like subset of data that they have and provide like a challenge um, to see who can best label it. So like for example I think one of them was a uh, like a Russian eBay like site and you had to find if the posts on it were spam for example and the person that was able to do it the best got some award and I'm sure probably was looked at by the company for um, you know to get them on board as well so if you can do similar things in it. The, the challenge with cybersecurity is, in a lot of cases, the uh, you don't want to necessarily do that real life of experiences because you risk your own, you know, vulnerabilities in that case. But it would be interesting to see that sort of like crowdsourced uh, challenge where you can also get a better idea of, of who knows what. So, Franz, do you eventually see some sort of uh, open data model for the platform where? anyone would be able to go online and submit particular modules for the platform so there's almost an open version of the competition platform where anyone can go on, create new challenges, and then other people can try those challenges? 
Uh, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, future down. Yeah, I, I think that we will definitely incorporate that model. Like the the code for the platform itself would be closed source, but we will have an right. API which will be public, and you can make your own challenges, and we will host your challenges. And I think that's definitely kind of the future because we are limited in what we can produce. And if you crowdsource something like that, you can make a much bigger beast. And I think that's definitely um, important when you want to have this constantly growing community um, for your for cybersecurity education. And that's the way we're going to have to go. And so, you know, right now the platform, you're basically, you know, turning things on and off and delivering the individual platform to each competition. But eventually, uh, just to be clear, there are plans to have, you know, a public cyber skyline uh, web address where anyone would be able to go on and do these challenges? Or is it still going to be, you know, you're going to get access to this interface based on what type of competition you're coming in from or what type of student group you are in the US or, or that kind of thing? I mean, we will probably... I mean, this is really far ahead, so I'm not really sure. Uh, but I do, I do want to... I do envision this system where users create their own challenges and they can put it on our platform and other people can do them. And the mechanism in which we do that might vary, but... Um, Definitely, that's something that we want to, want to have. I don't want. I'm not sure. If, I, I'm pretty sure. Like, I I already have this policy that I don't want to be charging students to get their education. So the funding really comes from the corporations who are interested in getting access to these students. And so I don't see our. I don't see us charging students to put up these challenges. Um, I think what might end up happening is you might have a company or uh, maybe a school sponsoring these students, and um, the school or the company covers the cost of hosting these challenges, and the students can use the service for free. And that might be what the uh, what type of thing we have because we want to make sure that we also keep keep this keep these things clean. We don't want to have any malicious stuff running on our own servers and stuff like that. So there will have to be some validation and um, definitely the openness of that and having these uploads and user generated content is what we want. Sure, and and going back a little bit, just in general, to the the formation of this, was there is there any one particular challenge that sticks out to you in developing and creating this concept that was particularly hard for you that you had to overcome, or did pieces just kind of fall together uh, in place as you went along? Like with technical capabilities? Yeah, I guess like... technical business model. I mean, were there any serious revisionary processes where you said you were, you know, you were thinking you were going to do one thing, but then you shifted gears and, and ended up doing something else? Hmm. I think the, the biggest issues we've, we face have been, like, technical, and that's actually... Um, we the way we've been getting around that is that we write, make one revision and then we run a demo and then or a pilot I guess a pilot run and then we decide what went wrong what went right let's do it from scratch again so we're on our fourth revision now and every single time we've completely scrapped it and take, taken what we learned from it and um, made it go even further so like some big issues that we had was scalability um, and we're like okay so what happens if we go above 200 concurrent users, can we sustain the load? And a lot of stuff was how do we keep everything dynamic? Because it is this game, and so before um, you would answer a question, but if you had like if you had another person on your team, they wouldn't see that question being answered simultaneously. They would have to like refresh the page. So now we, we had to add in the system for everything to be dynamic, and so when you answer a question, everyone on the team gets pushed that update, stuff like that. 
some some of the, the business aspect of it, the difficulties have been figuring out how to actually get this platform in front of people. It's actually been a lot harder than uh, I anticipated originally. So before, um, the, our approach was we have a cybersecurity club on campus. They got grant money from Lockheed Martin. Um, one of the requirements for that grant money was that they were supposed to run a cybersecurity competition. And our plan was, hey, we have a platform. It's like, we will do it for cheaper than it would cost you to do it yourselves because we plan on using this for other things, so we'd recoup the money that way. And we'll run the event for you. And then some bureaucracy happened with the university and all that stuff. Um, it hasn't actually been to the point where we had companies contacting the university saying they were interested in this platform where we actually got a lot of co cooperation out of the university and have been able to push this forward. And so to get in front of students, I mean, I've had the honors program here and I've had to I've had to take this platform uh, to high schools back in back in my county where I contacted some people I knew back from home and I bought Amazon gift cards as prizes and I went to a class of students and I'm like, hey, first place gets $25, second place gets $15. Have a crack at it, see, see what you like, what you don't like. And we got a lot of feedback that way and we've been able to talk with those students and, and companies to figure out what everyone's looking for. And I think right now we're finding that really good balance and definitely maximizing what the employer gets out of it and what the students get out of it as well. And so the biggest challenge really has been how do we make all these connections and how do we get people to, to actually take a look at the platform and, and, and see what it's worth. And so as you start ramping up towards the major March 7th event, which, correct me if I'm wrong, we're looking for three to 400 students on campus from across the from uh, yeah, so from across the state, what are I guess the 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 key things leading up to that event that you have to do to make sure that um, that event works well? So right now my focus is on getting the sponsors. Um, we we make this completely free for students, and there's like a lot of costs associated with it. Like we have to get all the food, we have to handle all this registration, uh, we have to handle the servers and all that stuff. So. Right now, I'm focusing on getting all the money because we have not uh, raised any money as of yet because we've just been figuring out who's interested and then we're going to get the money later. Um, and that's that's kind of like something that's pressing down on me as as midterms and finals are coming up. I also have to raise thousands of dollars for this yeah, event. I, I find it funny when Franz says like, "Oh, we have to we have to raise money for this." When it's kind of like the royal we because it's. It's kind of just Franz. Yes, like, by and large, the whole thing has been a product of of Franz. And, and, and it looks like stuff. fifty people put it together too. It's just super impressive. Yeah, yeah. I, the, all the code was written by me. Like every single line of code is mine. Besides all the libraries that we're using, and um, I've been talking to all the sponsors myself. But we have, I've actually been fortunate enough to get to the point that with our cooperation through the university, we we're actually able to bring some of the freshmen on board to help plan this event which has definitely uh, helped me a lot to keep my sanity. Yeah, so they're, that's probably good. They're, that's they're helping do some of the marketing. They're helping um, do a lot of the logistics involved, involved with this. We're getting some, some of them to create a website with the registration forms and resume upload system and all that stuff. So that's, that's definitely been a lot of help. Um, is, is there any other... Um, sorry to cut you off if you aren't finished. You ask my question in a second. No, go for it. Uh, is there anywhere else that's doing this sort of um, competition as a service type thing, or is this a unique company? Because I've never, 
Uh, oh, most no. of these Patrick are created a new word: competition as a service. Now we have math <laughs> to add to C A S, S A S, and I A S. Oh no! Should I serious? Um, so there are a couple of people who do this type of thing, but it's at a much different scope and level. So. Uh, Carnegie Mellon runs Pico CTF, which is the same sort of idea. You have a bunch, you have a, uh, a bunch of challenges, and it's a game which they they've developed in HTML5 now because they they've managed to merge their creative uh, software developers with their uh, technical software developers, and so they have a game where you have challenges, and it's done via HTML5. It's actually pretty impressive. And they run that every year for uh, high schoolers, but it's open to everyone. So only high schoolers can win prizes, but everyone can compete. But I think the major downfall for them is the fact that they don't have it in person. And there's a huge component in learning and interacting with these companies who are going to be leading your future in cybersecurity. So I think that's kind of... Um, they're definitely in the right direction, and I have to applaud them for what they've done because I have not seen any cybersecurity competitions run that well, and have been um, that not like you, you. They're very knowledge uh, knowledgeable in their challenges, and you learn a lot from them. And so they've done it very well, but they have these pitfalls which um, prevent them for from having the maximum impact that they can have. And so I think what we're doing is kind of revolutionary because not a lot of competitions do this, uh, like the in-person component. Uh, even do the in-person component, and the ones that do are those selective ones where you have to probably go through an online qualifier, and then they talk, take the, like a top eight or whatever, and they have a semifinal round and final round all in one. Um, but when you do something like that, you really exclude the beginners, which you should be targeting and not excluding in the first place. So this is definitely something new, something I haven't seen before. And what we're really trying to incorporate here is this hackathon model. I don't know if uh, how familiar people are with that, but the concept is that you get a large number of people in one place, and you have them all work on these challenges um, for for the hackathons that they run across the United States. Uh, you have like you know seven, eight hundred, maybe a thousand people all in one one arena, and then it's kind of like a science project on steroids where you have you know, 24 hours, 36 hours, maybe 48 hours to make something and you get judged on it. Well, I want to have the same model where you have the entire day and you have these challenges and you try to solve these challenges and at the end you win prizes and you get connected with these companies who will definitely lead your future in cybersecurity. And uh, and we're, we're combining the best of both worlds here. We want to make sure that we have the challenges that you need and we want to have this really, really hands-on environment where you, you will learn a lot, no matter what background you have. If you have a pretty stable background in cybersecurity, you can still come out of this learning something, or at the very least, you get a network with a lot of cool companies who like these types of things where they want to get students involved. All right, well, I'm sold. Do you have, did you say you had a, a demonstration? or? A, oh, know, yeah, that's right. Uh, you want to go over the demo? Yeah, that'd yeah, be that'd great be cool. to see. Yeah, okay, demo. well, let me switch over to the screen share mode. All right. I want to make sure. Can everyone see this, first of all? Yep. You're good. All right. So this is the platform here. Uh, I'm just going to log in. And the main thing that we... Oh, my resolution is slightly off. Okay. So we provide, like I mentioned before, we provide you with multiple paths that you can take. And this is kind of the way we present that. We have different challenges. This is a uh, kind of a alpha version, I guess, that we have. So this one down here is actually has a storyline behind it. Um, 
and the rest are just kind of topics. So we have reverse engineering, we have some forensics, some crypto, uh, a little bit of trivia. Um, but I'm going to go dig into this one here that we have. So we have this pretty cool interface that uh, we've been working on. A lot of competitions, they don't spend a lot of time on the user experience, and it's very important to have a good user experience, especially if you're trying to attract beginners who um, will be turned off by those type of, types of things if they're not done well. And I'm just going to go straight into the first challenge here. So these are JavaScript challenges. And you have this uh, terminal here. I'm not sure how easy it is to see. Yeah, it's yeah. kind of clear. I, you're fine. Okay. And um, the idea is that some hackers have exploited this support terminal that sysadmins for this bank were using to log in, and you have to find, in, find the password. So we click here, and we get uh, some information about the challenge. So the terminal is connected to a support system at this, the POSIX bank. And if you gain access to it, you can get into some other internal systems. And you hit this hint button that says the password is somewhere on the page. It's just hard to see it. And you click on View Source. And we have this built-in IDE for, uh, for our competition platform here. And you can actually see the relevant source code. So we actually remove all the UI stuff that we have that isn't relevant to the challenge. And you see here that there's this paragraph which has uh, the password is super secure in white text. So actually, if we highlight the page, down here you can see that the password is just in white text with a white background. And if I type in super secure, I get marked instantly as correct. And um, something cool that we have is that a lot of these challenges, um, you get rewarded for solving them earlier. So this one gives you a benefit of $25 a year, and for demo purposes, I said a year to a second, and you can see this, our, our money is just steadily increasing as we go on. And then these get more difficult, in diff uh, they get more difficult as you go on. We've got, um, I, I guess I can go into this one, this one's a little bit more complicated. Um, so here we have a username that's hard-coded, it's teller123, and we have this password, which are these character codes, um, which you have to know that you probably have to evaluate this JavaScript function or go online and look up the character codes. So it's slightly more difficult than the previous challenges and we're, we're just building upon that knowledge like, oh, I have to view source and I have to look at the quote code and I have to interpret what it's saying. Um, and if you have some basic computer science knowledge, like you can definitely see, if you have white text that says the password is super secure, you can do that and you can move on from there. And this is all part of these, this comprehensive uh, progressive learning that we have and that you can see every single challenge has its unique interface so this one is this uh, this admin pan panel for bank tellers and this one is a wire transfer for form that they might have so it's a pretty pretty nice interface that we have and we have these hints and we provide you tools which is definitely I haven't seen something I haven't seen before is that we actually provide you tools to help you solve the challenges a lot of competitions will just throw you out there and they will say figure it out on your own figure it out on your own and i've competed i definitely competed in competitions where i've just been there twiddling my thumbs not sure like what the challenge actually was let alone how to do it and sometimes uh, i actually competed in this competition that MIT did where they they created their own Python interpreter, and you had to reverse engineer their their compiled Python code. And <laughs> like, they made this really hard challenge, and they provided no tools or any way for you, to, like any help for you to solve the challenge. And 
if you're a beginner, and I've seen, I actually saw, like, we had around 20 students compete in that competition. Ten of them just left within the first hour or two because they're like, I don't know what to do, and if I sit here for the entire eight hours, I'm still not going to know what to do. And they had this moment, like, four hours in, where they're like, maybe we should give them a hint. And then they gave them, like, they gave away one hint, and then suddenly everyone was actually able to do something, and then they got stuck after they completed that challenge, and they needed another hint. So... I think it's a big component of these competition platforms to actually provide ways for you to, uh, tools for you to actually solve the challenges. And everything's dynamic here, so we have this timeline that you can see. Um, this money is steadily increasing over time as, as I get that extra $25 per second here. So there's a lot of, uh, I'm, now, I'm, now I'm number one on the leaderboard, as you can see. So there's a lot of... <laughs> tough competition out there. Yeah, tough competition, yes. I'm competing against these fake accounts, which no one's logged into. Um, <laughs> but there's definitely a lot to learn, and I think the way that we approach the challenge of getting students involved is unique, and it provides a lot of uh, opportunities for students to learn. And especially since we have this, this platform where you can choose which path you want to take and you can choose what's interesting to you. Like if you want to do reverse engineering challenges, go ahead and do that. Or if you like crypto, just go, go for it. We're not limiting you in what your path is. And the way it's supposed to be structured is that we'll eventually have more challenges than it is possible for you to legitimately do within the time limit. And so we actually want you to prioritize and because that's a problem in cybersecurity is like you have you never have enough time to solve all the challenges and you have to figure out what are the critical ones what's important to me um, in the in the context of this competition how am I going to maximize my um, total money or my total population what challenges do I have to do and that's something that we want to incorporate as well into our competition sure. well, it looks really cool <laughs> yeah. yeah I think we're uh, coming on our landing here we're up on the let, let me ask a couple questions though as we yeah. as we kind of land this thing. One, um, Franz, if you wanted, if people, we're going to get people to watch this and they might go, hmm, how do I get involved? Maybe they work for a company that might want to get involved in this. What's what's the best way for them to get involved if they want to help from a sponsorship standpoint? So from a sponsorship standpoint, basically what uh, our March seventh event is what we're we're aiming for, and. Uh, Right now we're looking for sponsors for that, so we have we have three different tiers for sponsors. We have like $2,500 tier, a $5,000 tier, and a $7,500 tier, and those give you uh, different levels of access to the students, um, some score reports, uh, their, their registration information, and different sized like tables at the event. Um, so that's kind of the big thing that we have going for us. And uh, I guess if like if people are interested, uh, I, I'll put my contact out there. It's uh, fpayer. At, well, F-P-A-Y-E-R at cyberskyline.com and actually uh, Can they I do it through the can they get that contact information through that site as well? Cyberline? Or uh, cyberskyline.com? Yeah, you can uh, yeah, if you go to cyberskyline.com I'll screen share that quickly. There's a contact um, form out there on there for you as well. At the right? very bottom we have uh, our contact email so it's contact at cyberskyline.com that'll also go to me and we we're looking for sponsors for that event. On top of that, what we're actually trying to do is, I mentioned how we don't have cybersecurity programs in high schools. So a big issue for us is how do we actually bring this platform in front of students in high schools? 
And so what we're looking to do is run high school uh, events where we have we bring this competition there for maybe one class or like an hour, and we have 20 or 30 students there, and uh, we're looking for sponsors, company sponsors to pay for those events and have the school have these events for free. So these students get this opportunity to win prizes in this one-hour event and learn more about cybersecurity and get in touch with these companies who are interested in sponsoring, uh, sponsoring them. And that's definitely something that we would like to do at a, a larger scale. And so if, if sponsors are interested in that, um, that's something that we also do. And we are also planning on licensing the software to run competitions internal for, for companies. So if your company wants to run an event like this, either internally or they, you want to run a big event as like a recruiting recruiting type thing, um, we license out the software as well, so you can contact me for that. And there's just those three ways in general are three very distinct and different ways that you can get involved, whether you're a small company and want to make a, an impact or you're a large company and you want to make a big splash. And these are all different ways that you can get involved. And I think that we're providing sponsors with a multitude of tools to get engaged and get in contact with these students who are interested in cybersecurity. All right. Sounds cool. Yeah, no, I, this is a great presentation. I, I, I think uh, walking through this over the last 50 minutes, which would give anybody a great overview of what you're trying to do there, I, I, I'm intrigued. I like it. I like, you know, as we think about what we do with our high schoolers, um, we focus on software development as opposed to cyber. Um, but I love the model that you have going on here, and, and I love the concept because everything you're saying is what we're seeing, right, with, with the high school kids. We're just not getting them involved early enough that the, that the college experience pays off. And you guys all got that, right? You, you got somehow, the three of you got that benefit, but we're missing out on a huge swath of the uh, of the general public and, and I think we could do a better job of one of the reasons we started a high school program was to get it done earlier so um, we're, we're hoping other organizations will follow our lead as well and come up with their own internship program I look at this just first time I've seen it tonight and I go man I like what I see here and I like the I like now this competition as a service model that uh, that Ashton has coined, <laughs> and uh, that's that's officially that launched here, um, it, because it, it makes a lot of sense. How do you how do you scale this if you if you've got to physically be at each one of these to make it? It'll never scale, right? But if we can scale nationwide, if you can roll this out as a service and find a way to get it done in Omaha without you having to be here, that's that's got some that thing has some legs. For sure. Yeah. Cool. Very good. Very good. Well, thanks for uh, Franz. Thanks. It's great to meet you as well. Yeah, Christian, great to be here. Any anything you guys want to throw at? Great opportunity. We're going to kick this thing out and promote it big. Uh, see if we can get some folks get some eyeballs on it. Christian, Ashton, anything else as we kind of wrap it up and send you guys back to your studying for that? Uh, <laughs> that. Well, we're done studying for one night. Let's we're not avoiding that right now. <laughs> Um, other than that, I remember when I was in college and I had a big test. I would do anything. I get a root canal. I'd clean the house. <laughs> I'd mow the lawn, rather than study. So I understand. I remember. Yep. Well, I uh, I just wanted to say that I'm glad to see things that like this, where you can take what you've learned in class and actually apply it, um, even if it's in a simulated environment. I think that's just a, an all-around more valuable experience than you would get by just going to class or uh, or neither, for that matter. Um, it it give, and I like that it gives access to people that uh, you know wouldn't otherwise have a chance to do it. 
Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Good stuff. Christian, any final thoughts? Yeah, no, I, it's, I've, again, I've tried both of his uh, pilot runs, and it's just the experience has been better and better every time. So I'm really um, excited to see where this goes because I think it has big potential and big future for uh, the path that cybersecurity education is going to take in this in this space. Very cool. Well, Franz, thanks again for coming on. appreciate it. I'll remind uh, individuals uh, listening to this if you want to support what we do here at the Average Guy Network and Cyber Frontiers. Uh, the best way to do that is just subscribe to the podcast. Tell your tell your compadres, your the folks that you work with, those that you're networked, share it on your socials, uh, you know, on your social sites, post it on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you do, whatever you do. Uh, maybe just hand over a thumb drive of it to somebody with it on it. We'd love to have you uh, do that. We've got all the links that you need to subscribe to this podcast over our subscription page. Just go to theaverageguy.tv/slash-subscription. And uh, we've got all kinds of different ways. You can get this video large, video small. You can get the audio. You can stream it on YouTube. Just about any way you can think it's available out there. Thanks to Christian. We got the show in. And Ashton, we got the show in tonight. Gentlemen, thank you for pushing it and making sure it happened. I was thinking last night we might <laughs> we might bail on this, but uh, glad we got it through. We'll be back in, uh, in two weeks. And we'll do it all over again here on Cyber Frontiers. And with that, say goodnight. night.